When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Hope everyone's having the best day they can right now. I know things are still pretty hectic out there. We've been doing a lot of episodes here, as I always mention in the beginning. Hope everyone's staying healthy, staying safe, doing things that they need to do to keep their mind off of staying indoors, keeping their mind active, their mind busy, whether that's making music, whether that's watching movies, hanging out with your family, whatever it is. Hopefully you're happy doing it and you know things are getting better and hopefully this uh, this is over sooner rather than later. But as we have been talking, been really upping the content here just to keep active and to kind of help some people maybe with a distraction to their everyday life right now. So we uh, are going to do another new music spotlight. And today's guest is Paul Martin, the bass player from the band Devilskin, which they hail from Hamilton, New Zealand. This is the farthest traveled, I shouldn't say travel guest, but the the farthest in terms of location of a guest that we've had on the podcast so far. So that's pretty cool. How are you doing today, Paul? Hi, Jay. I'm really good, man. And thank you so much for having me on the show. And, um, yeah, I guess we're pretty close to Antarctica when you look at it on a map. Yeah. And it feels like it sometimes down here in New Zealand. We're a long way away from everything. But, hey, really cool to join you guys. And, and hope everyone in Chicago is safe and well in, the, in these crazy times right now. Yeah, absolutely. I've had a lot of requests to have you guys on. And you guys, this past early part of April, the, the album came out. But you had some singles that have come out, namely uh, Corrode. And before that was Endo. Yeah, and all fall down. Right, and all falls down too. I mean, it's really good. I mean, I've I've listened to it. It's a great album. It's um, it continues in the vein of Devilskin for the last two previous albums. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was really good. We'll talk about the collaboration. Talk about the process of putting this album together. Um, yeah, well, this is slightly different, Jay, in the fact that we used um, a different producer from the first two albums. And um, we'd known Greg before, Greg Haver. He's worked for um, yeah, a few names. Bullock My Valentine's one that, that just sticks in my head right now, but pretty well-known Welsh producer. And we, we already had a good rapport with the guy, and um, he just approached us and says, I am so keen to produce your next album. And he came down to rehearsals, and we spent a lot of time in pre-production just working through the songs with him and throwing around ideas that we had. And he 
sat there with his producer's hat and said, maybe if you lost this bit and put this bit in, you know, sort of. So we, we felt like we are totally prepared with this album and we wanted it to be the best thing that we've ever done. And, you know, we're all pretty confident that we've, that we've pulled off a, a mighty feat. Absolutely. What is the process for Devil's Kin when you guys are writing new music? Does everyone kind of bring their own idea in? Are there primary songwriters in the group? Does everybody have a say or, you know, give out their own ideas and how a song should sound or ideas for songs? How does that all work? Well, um, it's all pretty organic, Jay. We we divvy up the songwriting um, uh, credits twenty five percent each for, for all four of us usually. And but um, Jenny or myself will, will write the lyrics, and either myself or Nick or Jenny will or, or sorry Nail will come up with riffs and ideas. Sometimes Nick walks in with a fully structured song, you know, and we just play our parts. Jenny puts her parts on, and and it's, it just seems to be organic. Nothing really. We don't have to work too hard. Uh, we demoed something like thirty songs for this album, so we had to had to pare that down to twelve. So we've never had a problem of, of writing songs and having lots of songs to choose from, and and just pick the very best of the albums. When you're putting together an album like this, and you are coming up with ideas, and you mentioned how it all comes about organically, how do you guys fuse all of your influences together? I mean, imagine everyone has their own individual influences and how does that all become devil's kin whenever you're working on new material for an album? Well, I guess that's a chemistry thing that a band either has or doesn't have from the start. You know, it's, um, we're all on the same page. We all kind of want, want the same thing out. We have a really healthy respect for each other's musical abilities and talents and, and, and past musical achievements and stuff. Um, so we're all confident that everyone knows what they're doing. There's, there doesn't seem to be any big egos in the way or anything like that. The, the songs just come about how they come about. And, you know, we don't set out to, to make this one a, a radio single. And you mentioned the song Endo before. We'd written that song, Nick wrote the music for that, and then we'd sort of battered it into shape over a few months and started playing it. And Jenny had written the lyrics about her um, battle with severe endometriosis, and she had to have emergency surgery. And you know her, her lyrics are pretty confronting in that song. And I said to her, "Are you going to be comfortable talking about this in public? Because people are going to ask." And she goes, "Hell no! More people need to know about this." And you know, it, it led to us finding out a lot more about this condition. And, and we've all known women, or do know women, that are, have suffered with it. And the average time for diagnosis and uh, from symptoms to diagnosis here in New Zealand is 17 years so that's a big problem for a lot of women and um, you know although we set out with no agenda to highlight this one particular cause or anything it just sort of stood up for itself and and we've had so much feedback from women saying hey Jenny you're you're talking my language this is exactly what I went through it's it's horrifying you know yeah that is a, a, a pretty amazing thing to tackle i mean imagine when you're writing music and you're writing about something personal that you you have to expose yourself you have to be a little bit vulnerable because people are gonna yeah people are gonna judge it people are gonna listen to it and you've got to reconnect all over with a a personal issue that you know is a challenge you know i mean whenever you face with a challenge like that you have to go through it then you know while you're going through it, you've got to find you're you know, it. Yeah, yeah, you're you're basically reliving it, and then you're exposing it to 
everybody out there for them to listen to and whether them for them to critique or criticize or however they want to give their feedback, that's got to be a, a, a huge burden on the mind and the mental state as well. Yeah, it is. And I think being a songwriter in general is, you know, I can't speak for the people who write songs about lollipops and bubble gum, you know, disposable lyrics and stuff. But for us, it's always had to mean something. And, um, you know, there's another song on the album called The Victor and um, the lyrics, I wrote the lyrics for that about a really, really bad car crash that the band came onto after a songwriting weekend. You know, there was people spread all over the road and lots of blood and it's, it was horrific. It was a young family, you know, it's really, really um, traumatizing for all of us. Um, I managed to put it in lyrics and, and, and put a, a sense of hope about it and put that on the album. So in a lot of ways, there's a lot of really tender moments and really vulnerable moments for each of us that are on the album. And yeah, and like I said too, you know, when I've had this conversation before with other musicians and artists that when they're writing a song like that and reliving it, and then when you put it out there, there's a sense of, I hope people connect with it how I connect with it or I hope people connect with it in a certain way everyone connects with music differently right cool. and and cool. you but yeah. you but you all always want it to be positive and you want it to be something that because you left yourself vulnerable vulnerable and in in with exposure to yourself you want people to appreciate it and you want people to you know resonate with it I mean I, I I've always found whenever a song touches me you know and connects with me that my feeling towards it may be different than the writers and maybe it's close to it, but as long as people are connecting with it, I think that's a positive thing. Yeah. Forever reason, forever, you know, whatever reason you connect with that song and we're all the same. Four of us in devil skin, we're all huge uh, music collectors and we have our favorites and we do the same thing. We climb into our favorite songs and absorb them and, and learn all the lyrics and just get our vibe off it because you know, music's so important to everyone. It is. And that kind of leads us into our next set of questions. We always ask these questions whenever we have a first-time guest on the Hook Rocks. And that is the essence of the show. Just like every rock song has a hook that sucks you in, every yep. rock fan has a moment, whether it was a band, a performance, an album, or a song that hooked them on rock and roll. What hooked you? Um, I guess when I was about five years old I heard um, Louis Armstrong on the radio and that sort of man that my parents said thought I'd been hit over the head by a bat you know it changed me and he was, he was um, singing What a Wonderful World and then playing some trumpet and I that I remember being five freaking out on that and thought music music and then I was probably uh, 11 or 12 and my brother brought home a, a Black Sabbath album and I thought nice cover his greatest hits for the triumph of death by Peter Bruegel on it, you know, the old ancient painting with the skeletons and stuff. Ah, that looks cool. So I put that on, bam, that was me sold, man. That was, that was it. That was my moment. And, um, after hearing Black Sabbath, I, I wanted to be in a band. That was all I really wanted. Probably the first bands, the first two bands I, I remember seeing were the Ramones and Cheap Trick. And it's here in New Zealand. So it was a long time ago, but, you know, I, I had a couple of years where it was just bang, bang, bang. This is what I want to do. Was there an artist, you know, was there a bass player that influenced you to want to play bass? 
probably Sid Vicious in the early days, and um, and then when I discovered the Stranglers, um, JJ Burnell from the Stranglers, wow, I still hold him in the highest regard. He's a fantastic bass player with a killer tone and just just the best, meanest chops, and his sound is so aggressive and and grabby, you know. Yeah, I've always loved him. Of course, I love Lemmy. I love you know Judas Priest and discovered you know all all the main core of metal artists and stuff and there's not many of them that I don't really love you know what was it about wanting to be in a band I mean you heard the Sabbath greatest hits and then there was you know Ramones and Cheap Trick what was it about being on stage and being in a band that motivated you it wasn't so much it wasn't so much me looking at the posters of, of the rock stars with thousands of adoring fans or anything it was just more these guys created this dark song that is really touching me and that's what I want to do. I want to, to create music, you know, and um, I've always written poetry and short stories and, and, and songs and stuff. So that really got me kicked into gear for, I want to, I want to write stuff that moves people. I want my writing to be evocative. Yeah. That's interesting because there's always the evolution of the artist. You know, I've always talked about this with many people who have come on the show. You know, you have your your moment where, you know, a lightning bolt hits and, you know, it was Black Sabbath. You know, I, I, I'm kind of similar to, to, to you where my grandfather was a lounge piano player back in the days of the speakeasies here in the States. And he used to play piano. Whenever I was a kid, like four or five years old, and I'd stay overnight there, I'd, I'd be awoken by him playing the piano down in the basement. And that was my first introduction to music. That was the first thing that was familiar with me. Probably about a year later, a year or two later, my brother brought home the Journey Escape album. Oh, yeah. yeah Look the, out. Yeah, the first song, Don't Stop Believin', has the piano intro, which immediately connected with me. Voila, I was off on my rock and roll journey. There's yeah. a, but there's always the... up. What a, what, a, what a great album to launch on, you know? Wow, Escape was just so classy, so good. Yeah, but it was the piano connection. It was the, my grandfather playing, which me, you know, hearing that, and then my brother putting the needle on the vinyl on Escape and hearing Don't Stop Believing with that piano intro, which was, I was able to get the connection. I'm like, oh, I've heard that instrument before. I know what that is. And then, of course, listening to the whole album, and then, of course, came Van Halen and came Kiss and... Judas Priest and Maiden and all those bands growing up back then. But I'm always interested yeah. by the differences in how an artist evolves. Everyone that I've talked to, it's always been different. And it's almost like a fingerprint. Everybody's got a different fingerprint. No one has the same fingerprints. And it's almost like every artist has a different evolution. And you talk about Black totally. Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. talk about Black Sabbath. You talk about Ramones. You talk about lyrics and you talk about songs what was the song that really you know pulled you in you know with lyrics and in the arrangement uh for black Sabbath, it was nib you know the bass the bass all of a sudden i go wow <laughs> yeah and the lyrics are just so dark and grimy and it just spoke to me and and it was just what i needed to hear at the time you know i was i was explicit you know going through teenage dissonance and didn't know what I wanted to rebel against, but I was looking for something, you know, and just that whole dark theme just took me there, and it was, it was a beautiful thing. And I still get those same feelings now from from the songs. And the cool thing is now that I can write songs that mean stuff to me and put them out on records and then play them a couple of years later and still get that same feeling. 
and and we get people writing into the band saying, "Hey man, your song saved my life. I was I was on the way out, and you know your your lyrics were uplifting, or the song made me feel great." And so it's really full circle for me, you know, to be able to um, have music that other people really relate to and it touches them. Um, that's that's job done, you know, for a musician. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, was it the the darkness of Sabbath, which meant like the danger, the unknown, was what attracted you to that? Yeah, and, and there was just so much power in it. It was just power. Yeah, I mean, their whole catalog. I mean, whether you talk about their debut album or whether you talk about, you know, uh, you know, Sab- Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, and, and all those songs and, and all those albums, Masters of Reality, it was all about, you know, in your face and power and, and just making you feel something. It's interesting. 100%. And, you know, I'm sorry, I'm like discovering the greatest hits album. And then I went, I went trawling through record shops and secondhand record shops and I'd find an album. And of course I didn't stumble across all the Sabbath um, catalog in chronological order. So I'd find Never Say Die. And then a couple of weeks later I'd find Master of Reality. And then I'd find Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. And, Oh, it's just a whole new world opening up. And I, I still remember exactly the excitement that I felt, you know, seeing the record covers so big and getting them home and putting them on. Wow. It is interesting, too, especially when you listen to that music that you grew up with and that that song. It's still there for you. Yeah, it's still there for you. And I always love it when a song sounds different. Like if you listen to it like so many times for years on and years on and all of a sudden you have a life experience. And you put that same album on, and for whatever reason, that song has now a different meaning, and it sounds like a new song. Yeah, yeah. Our perspectives change, and, and you know the situations that we find ourselves in are totally, totally relatable to situations and songs, and, and we might just get it all of a sudden after years. And you know that, that's the coolest thing, like I say, about playing in a band now is, is having that effect on other people, and. I think although this is probably the shittiest time in living memory for, for humans to be on earth, um, there's there's positives that can come out of it. Like you say, people need to listen to music more. We can take the time um, to, to dig into music and to discover new music and, and find those, those little personal places where we can go and escape for a few minutes. And, and it's all about keeping our mental health going and, and keeping ourselves positive. So, you know, I think music's probably more important in the last month or, or in the next few months than it's been in, in a long time. Music can be therapy. It can be your therapist. It can yeah, it can connect with you. You know, as you evolve yeah, as yeah, as you evolve as an artist, and you're putting together new music, and you and music is all about timing. I'm a firm believer in that. Whereas, yes. you know, a song can be different. To you now than it was 10 years ago a song that you didn't like you can fall in love with again so it's all about timing and as you are in the band devil's kin and you guys continue to evolve with your lyrics and your music how does timing affect how the band sounds in the direction the band is going in um good question man i think i think a lot of it's a natural evolution you know we're learning all the time and and we're learning new skills and every time you record something you walk away going, I could have probably done something a little bit better. And so you're always striving to be better and better. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff and a lot of things um, on this album, Jay, that have just been oh, a little bit spooky. 
Uh, for example, track one, Do You See Birds, that was the last song that we demoed for the album. It nearly didn't make the cut. And I just scraped in there. And everyone was, oh, I'm not sure if it's going to work. Once we recorded it, Jenny goes, this is the, the song to start the album. And we all shook our heads and went, yep, hell yeah, hell yeah. So, you know, a lot of stuff sort of evolved as it was being recorded as well. And we're all sitting in the in the control room getting goosebumps while Jenny's doing vocals or nails, doing guitar solos or, or Nick's playing some beautiful drums. So it is all about timing. You know, I wrote the, the words to Do You See Birds a year ago, but, oh, my God, they're, like, never been truer now. It's about basically someone stuck in confinement looking out a window at all the liberties and the freedoms that he's lost, you know, and seeing birds fly away, but to be absolutely trapped. And, you know, like I said, it was more than a year ago that I wrote those lyrics. And, um, yeah, kind of prophetic. All, all, all Fall Down, same thing. It's about a dystopia, about an Orwellian world. So, yeah, there's stuff, there's stuff on the album that all sorts of people can dig into for, for whatever reasons, but um, t- timing, I, I don't understand it, and it just works or it doesn't work for bands. And we, we thought that, yeah, we were at the pretty rough end of it with um, our album coming out and then us having a, a tour for the UK and Europe pulled out from underneath us and having to cancel all gigs, you know. So all we can do is push the album at the moment. Well, yeah, it is a, it is a different time, you know. I mean, we're all experiencing, you know, canceled tours and canceled sporting events and, you know, the, the dismissal of large gatherings. And for someone like myself who loves to go to a lot of shows throughout the year, it's been strange not being able to go to anything and not and seeing bands cancel their tours or postpone their tours so you mentioned the lyrics on the album uh you know dealing with home confinement and dealing with staring out of a window losing you know your freedoms you mentioned the uk and the european tour being pulled out for money especially with the momentum of a new album what has it been like for devilskin with all this going on what has been you know your response what has been your reaction to what's been gripping the entire world right now um well we had some pretty robust plans in place for the album release you know including the european tour and everything and we've done a lot of promo work a lot of leg work already and then when we heard things going on overseas our um our booking agent in the States was going, no, just hang on, hang on, it's probably going to come right soon. Hang on, we're going, this is looking really bad. We have to pull pull the plug. So, yeah, it, it just got closer and closer, and it was obvious that the borders were closing down everywhere, that, you know, gatherings weren't permitted, and everyone was on the same boat. So we just had to um, humbly apologise to our fans, and everyone understands that the whole world's in, in, in the same position, and we've got to do what we what we got to do. Um, we were fortunate in that we had recorded a set that we played at um, a big festival here in New Zealand called Homegrown um, in 2018. We'd filmed it with uh, with VR cameras. So um, just the week of our release, we were able to put that up online and give our, our listeners something, you know. And if they had the 3D uh, glasses, the VR headsets, they could put them on and, and get totally immersive with with us for the concert so that was fun but I mean 
every band's in the same position unless you can sort of coordinate four different people from four different houses in lockdown and, and try and play an acoustic set on on the net or something. You, you're kind of limited. So, yeah, we've been doing a lot of promo and we just really want people to hear this album. We think there's messages in it that are definitely going to help people. There's, there's songs of hope, you know, there's... Um, a song called Sweet Release I wrote about a young a young man in our hometown who, who killed himself drowned himself when he was in mental health care um, Bright Lights Jenny wrote the lyrics about that one about being homesick you know so there's, there's a lot of stuff on there that I think people will be able to gravitate towards in, in these uncertain times and, and hopefully find some hope in there What is the you know plan for the future? I mean obviously this is going to end at some point we don't know when, and we don't know what the effects are going to be. But have you guys put together something of, you know, what's the next step once things are? I hate to use the word normal. I yeah, don't know. If, I, I don't know if normal is ever going to be what we think it is. But what's the what's the plans for Devilskin once this is you know once this is passed? Um, Jay, I think they're trying to call coin a new phrase called the new normal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> that is. But yeah, uh, dude, as, as soon as we're allowed, we'll be out there gigging, you know. And I think once the dust settles and, and people can come out from their homes, everyone's going to want to party. And um, yeah, we'll be straight back on the road as soon as we're allowed. We've, we've got an album to push, we've got friends to catch up with, and we've got a lot of travel to do, you know. We definitely need to get to the States, you know, as soon as possible. That was our hope for this year, later on this year. But you know, we just have to wait and see how everything unfolds and and we'll be just doing our best to get out there and, and play live shows as soon as we're allowed. And how are you keeping yourself busy? You know, I had this thought yesterday about all the great music that's being created with, you know, these musicians staying indoors, you know, with their guitar or piano or however they write music and are you writing? Are you finding inspiration? Is it, you know, uh, you know, what what's going on with you yeah um it's easy to find inspiration seriously i've always um written better when when i was in like a, a maudlin or, or or dark state you know so plenty of inspiration around here i've been writing lots of lyrics lots of riffs i know the other guys are the same um, um i'm lucky that nick from the band is quarantined and and um in my house with me so we hang out quite a bit and we'll be doing a lot of promo work for for the new album, read lots of interviews. So let's get this busy. But you know, coming up for us, that's our second week now here. So yeah, starting to look outside a bit and wonder. I've got a, a motorbike that's sitting in the shed that's never been shinier, and I'm just pitching <laughs> for a decent ride. And what you know, how is New Zealand handling this too? I mean, different. There's different reactions and different responses all over the world. You know, whether it's the United States, whether it's Australia, you're in New Zealand, what are they saying? I mean, how is, I mean, we're talking about peak times here where, you know, we expect over this coming weekend where the most, most deaths will happen, you know, anywhere between August 11th through August 16th. Are they communicating with you a lot? How is that going there in New Zealand? Yeah, they're communicating a lot, and basically, we've still had um, only one death here, and she was an elderly woman with with underlying health problems. Um, but I think we have over a thousand people infected or known infected here, twelve hundred or something. Um, we're just being told to stay inside and not go out unless we really have to for for essentials. 
But if you do go outside in your car, um, you're going to get stopped by the police and ask what you're doing, and they'll fine you if they if you don't have a good enough excuse. So, you know, the whole country's in lockdown. Everyone's getting a little bit stir-crazy, but um, everyone wants to do the right thing and and our part to make this whole COVID-19 thing just go away so we can get back to normal or the new normal or whatever the hell that's going to be. Getting back to earlier this year, you know, before all this hit, and, you know, with with the anticipation of the new album coming out, and the new music that you have on it, and the two albums that you had previous, being that you're part of the new rock, the wave of new rock all over the world, you know, whether it's where you guys are at, New Zealand, whether it's the UK, Europe, these great bands coming out of those areas, great bands coming out of Australia, sure. great bands coming out of the States and Canada. What what has been the challenges that you have faced with getting your music out to the people? Um, well, we've never had a record label push on our behalf, so we've been 100% independent the whole time. Uh, we've got a really good manager who, who is yeah, amazing, and he can sniff out a bad deal, and we've been offered a few of those. So we've stuck to our guns and and just done things how we want to do them. Um, the scene here in New Zealand isn't big enough to be able to support uh, rock bands, really. You know, We could possibly tour twice a year, but... It's such a small place, maybe four million people, so we can't we can't just overexpose ourselves too much here. Um, yeah, we just finished a pretty comprehensive um, New Zealand tour just before the end of the year, which uh, we titled Onward because it was a, a decade of devil skin. So we've just been around the country to say thank you and stick around. We've got some new songs coming out, and then and then bang. So um, yeah. Here we are, stuck like every other band, and, and we're still writing, our hopes are up, and we're getting so much of a good response from um, people that have heard the new album read, and they're loving it. It's been nothing but 100% positive. So, yeah, we're hunkering down, just enjoying that little moment and trying to figure out our next part of the plan and where we can go and what we can do next. When... I mentioned to some of my followers that I was going to have you guys on the show. I got a great response. You know, whether they live in the States, whether they're in Canada and Europe, how are those markets treated you? What are the challenges about getting into those areas? Um, we've just got to get over there, and, and we're starting to do that. We've had a really good response from um, from Germany and the U.K. over the last 10 years. So they're basically where we've been concentrating. I think we've been to – this would have been our sixth trip to Europe and now – sixth or seventh to the UK. Um, so because we've had such positive response from those markets, we've sort of um, we've, uh, prioritised them. But Australia is big to us. And we went through Australia um, a year ago with Hailstorm and then with Flash, and then we did the download festivals there. So just starting to build up. It's been tough for an independent band to build up in, in foreign countries, but you just got to stick to your guns and hit the right people, and um, hopefully they like your music. But... It's yeah. It was very important for us to get back through Europe this this year after the um, the awesome tour that we did with Hailstorm, something like twenty three countries, and we made a lot of friends there. And, and that's why it was our, our first port of call on this new album, basically. But you know they'll wait, and we'll get back there for sure. In terms of opportunity, you know, what are the differences? You know, you mentioned Australia, you mentioned Europe, you mentioned the UK. Is it easier to navigate through one country through touring? Is it, 
you know, harder in others? Is there, is there an expense difference in terms of, you know, being able yeah. to do more? All How of that, that? Yeah. All of that. I mean, we'd absolutely love to come to Australia, but the, um, the regulations for, for New Zealanders getting into America and then being able to play gigs, which is basically working, pretty tough. We, we managed to get to Hollywood and we've done two shows in Hollywood, two showcase shows a few years ago, but we desperately want to get over there and tour. But yeah, logistics are hard. And, you know, we're in the bumhole of the planet, man. We're close to the very bottom. So if we want to go anywhere, we have to travel for 22 hours <laughs> on a plane. So um, it, it makes you that much more determined being here at the bottom of the world like that, I guess. Um, and and you know that you've got a big job set out for you. So when we go to Europe, we, we, we go for like a month or two months because once you're there, you just got to do the work, put the work in. And, you know, we've got friends um, in bands that, uh, like, like a storm, they're Kiwi guys, and they've been based in America for the last five years, and all they do is bounce from tour to tour. One week they were Godsmack, next week Seven Dust, next week Guns N' Roses or Creed or Tremonti. So um, that's what the bands have to do from New Zealand to try and get a foot in the door overseas. You've just got to really work it and be prepared to leave town, pick up your sticks, get someone to feed your cat, and just bail, go out there and work. You know, your first record was 2014. Here we are in 2020. I'm a firm believer that there's a new wave of rock and roll coming, you know, whether it's Devil's Kin or whether it's Dirty Honey or whether it's Joyous Wolf or whether it's a band like the Lazies out of Australia. You know, I think it's all coming because I think people are getting tired of the same old type of shtick with the, with pop music and hip hop and all that. And I think it's primed right now to make a huge leap. Are, do you feel that? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I think- do you feel that, or you know, what is what is your viewpoint from, you know, as you said, being in the bum hole of the world down in, in, in New New Zealand? What are you seeing in terms of the popularity of hard rock, metal, rock and roll music? Well, I mean, the people that are into hard rock and heavy metal, uh, they're the loveliest people, as far as I'm concerned, because they are honest and true, generally. And, you know, when it comes to their music and their passion, they'll wear it on their sleeves, on their back of their jackets, whatever. They're staunch, you know. The rockers and the metalers are staunch. They're into their music and they're, they're loyal. And they'll be loyal to you for a long time. I guess um, um, we're the same sort of people. Um, it, it's about honesty. And for us, our music's about honesty. And, and if it hits a vibe with someone, then they get it. Then that's great. And, you know, rock rock audiences, I find, generally te- seem to think a wee bit deeper and aren't afraid to immerse themselves in records, you know? Like, uh, we wanted to make this album, although it's not conceptual as such, we wanted to make it as immersive as possible. Someone, put, someone puts it on and they get a throat punch from DUC Birds. We don't want them to take it off until uh, the very last song, Everybody's High But Me, you know? And, and there's... There's light and there's dark and it's and it's a bit of a roller coaster here and there and there's scary songs and there's songs of hope and songs of loneliness. So um, for us, it's about keeping it honest and and if people vibe off the honesty and the buzz, then we're just going to get along fine. But what I mean, have you seen? I mean, obviously, the first album came out in 2014. Here we are in 2020. You guys seem to be growing with every album every opportunity you guys try to take and 
get as much out of it as you can. What are the, I mean, what are the differences from when you first started, which I think was you guys formed in what, 2010 to now? I mean, it's been a yeah, decade. Yeah. So where have you seen it's, the benefit of, of your hard work? Oh, we have just, um, you know, the numbers growing exponentially. When, when we first got together, Jay, it was, um, you know, we we're big fans of each other's bands that we we're all playing in and, um, everyone knew that Jenny was the spectacular singer, but her band had broken up and she kind of didn't really want to get back into a band again. And so I had to kind of trick her into a jam and say, oh, no, we'll just have a jam. You know, we won't do any gigs or get a band or anything. We'll just, we'll just want to have a jam. And <laughs> I'm a guitarist and I said, oh, for this jam, I'll play the bass. And here I am 10 years later, we've toured the world six times and I'm still on bass and uh, Jenny's loving it. <laughs> but, you know, that first jam we got together, we wrote three of our biggest songs, I guess, you know, um, and everything just felt great right from the very beginning. And it didn't feel like work. It didn't feel like we had anything totally special. We just loved what we had. And we went out and did a few gigs and then a couple of months later, we went back to those venues again and, and we bought a few more lights and there's a few more people in the crowd so we spend more money dressing up the stage and everything that we had coming in the door we wanted we spent making the show look good and that's all we wanted to do and it's it's just growing exponentially and, and now we can have flames and, and spark throwers and confetti bombs and all sorts of stuff but quite honestly you know Jay it feels like we're doing exactly the same thing that we're doing we're sitting at home writing songs getting together jamming writing songs going out doing gigs doing tours when you're lucky enough you know so and getting to write records in between I mean it has to be somewhat fulfillment that you've been able to accomplish so much in the last 10 years even though you've you want to accomplish so more Oh yeah, I mean, oh, dude, you know, people say, "What are your, your favourite experiences with the band?" I can't list them because there's that many, you know. Um, you know, touring with Slash, opening for Disturbed. Um, we've got two gold records over here and a platinum record. Uh, we've won New Zealand Music Awards and we were number one in the charts for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. So there's there's a lot of bucket lists that we've already ticked off that um, no one actually had on their bucket list. It was like, wow, this, we didn't expect little old us to have a number one album in New Zealand, but, you know, we've done it twice. Um, hopefully the third one's a charm as well. Who knows? I, yeah, that's, that's amazing because different markets, different countries respond differently to hard rock and heavy metal. You know, here in the States, yeah, it's, yeah. it's completely different. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's very hard for a new hard rock, heavy metal band to get noticed and to get, you know, an audience because it's it's so saturated and, it, and it's, it's an uphill battle. I think that's changing. I think more people are responding to it because all these bands are coming out now. And I think the youth of America, which is where the biggest connection needs to be, is starting to listen, is starting to say, hey, I'm getting tired of this stuff that they're, you know, MTV is playing or what's been what I've been told is supposed to be good. I'm getting tired of it. I need something else. And I think they're they're gravitating towards hard rock and heavy metal now. And I think that's a great thing for bands like you who are in other countries. And I think it's ban- great for bands in, in the Europe and the UK because there's so much great music that's out there. Oh, there really is. There's a, a lot of super exciting bands 
Um, you know, to quote a couple, Nick's been listening to Low nonstop, and they've really got in my ears now. And um, Ginger, Twelve uh, Foot Ninja, there's always really exciting bands coming out, and um, yeah, it's, it's a great time. I think you know, pretty much after every plague, there's been a renaissance, hasn't there? So I'm looking for some great things that come out of the art world in, in the next little while. I think that's what's going to happen. I think, you know, all these artists and these bands that are inside and trying to keep themselves busy are writing great music right now. So I expect a huge amount of great music over the next two two years as a result of this. And I think that's really exciting for a music fan like myself. Yeah, same. You know, and, and we're all music fans. We're all, you know, looking to see what our idols and, and our heroes are going to come back with after this. Yeah, and I hope you guys are able to get to the States at some point in the near future after this is all over in support of the new great album that uh, was released this past April 3rd called Red. Really enjoyed it, thought it was a great album, and I really, I mean, uh, a lot of people I know have really enjoyed it, so you guys have done an excellent job on it. Thanks thanks very much, Jay, and yeah, definitely Chicago is on our list of places we must see. Um, we, yeah, we're just absolutely dying to get get over to the states again. Our good friends in Alien Weaponry have had such a good time over there, and they've just come back raving. So we're amped and ready. And as soon as the blooming uh, curtains go up, mate, we we will be there. That's awesome, Paul. I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much. Great conversation. Really enjoyed it. You're welcome, Scott. Uh, Jay, thanks. Same same here. And um, yeah, really appreciate the support, man. Absolutely. Once again, that's Paul Martin, bass player from the band Devilskin. The new album is Red, which was out this past April 3rd. You can get it on all your streaming platforms. It's a physical copy. I believe you can get on their website. But uh, it is a great album, hard edge, heavy metal, in your face, great stuff. I hope you all check it out. Those that are listening, tell your friends about it. It's a great, great record. Once again, this is Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks. This is the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy. We will talk again soon. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 